Welcome to Soaring the Sky, a Glider Pilots podcast. My name is Chuck. I will be your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 49. This episode is brought to you by Arizona Soaring Incorporated, the nation's largest provider of professional glider training. Since 1969, they provided training from initial private through CFI Glider and entry-level through advanced aerobatics. Open year-round, seven days a week. More information is available at azsoaring.com. On this episode of the podcast, we will take a soaring journey with an Italian aviator, Gaetano Benincasa, and his friend, Petro Severi, who both recently have returned from a soaring holiday in Namibia, which is located in southern Africa, bordered by the Atlantic Ocean to the west and Botswana to the east. Namibia is well known for its excellent soaring conditions and is also considered to be one of the most spectacular gliding sites in the world. Gaetano, our guest, has over 10,000 hours logged, with 500 of them in gliders. When he is not in the cockpit of the glider, he is flying a 737NG for a budget fleet carrier out of Rome, Italy. Join us as we jump into the cockpit and soar over Africa on this episode of Soaring the Sky. Gaetano Benincasa, welcome to Soaring the Sky. Super excited to have you today. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me today, Chuck. Absolutely. So when did your aviation adventure begin? Uh, well, it, it all started when uh, I was at the college at the age of uh, 22 years old. I was studying to become a pharmacist at the time. When I started taking uh, flying lessons on uh, ultralights, uh, ultralights are very popular in Italy, especially nowadays, because of the high costs associated with general aviation. And then I moved to uh, GA after a while because I was uh, looking more into a deeper aviation culture and GA seemed to be a good move at the time. And at some point, everything became more serious. I decided to do my CPL my instrument rating, and my uh, MCC uh, multi-pilot uh, rating, and eventually it became my profession. I'm currently a commercial uh, pilot flying for an airline out of Rome, Italy. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, if, if, if you like it, it's, it's the best job in the world, but, you know, uh, you, you, really, you really have to love it because there's a, a lot of uh, traveling associated, uh, lots of family plans disrupted and uh, you, you, you know what's, what's going on with that. Yeah, I would imagine. I guess yeah. you have so many days that you're flying then maybe so many days you're home. Exactly. Yes, exactly. But uh, to be honest with you, we, we have a pretty stable roster and that's uh, is getting along well with uh, my leisure flying as well. Uh, we have a uh, uh, five working days uh, roster uh, followed by four resting day, four days off. Thanks to that, I can dedicate my time to both my family and my uh, flying hobby of uh, gliding. Oh, very good. Sounds like a good balance. 
it is it is so it, it honestly is uh, one of the best aviation job you can get in italy for sure so where did gliders come in uh, at some point i believe it was uh, 2011 uh, i was uh, hired from the airline in 2007 so i was uh, four years through my professional aviation career when i felt like i needed something uh, more i needed to go back to the basics and i followed a friend of mine he was a member of a gliding club which is uh, closer to rome is the rieti gliding uh, clubs quite popular in the network uh, they used to run uh, international competition in some time and that uh, world gliding competition as well in the 80s. So I took my gliding license in 2011 and ever since I, I basically never stopped gliding. What did you start flying? I started flying on a K21 and then I moved up to the club single seaters, the standard Astier and the DG300 when eventually I decided to to buy uh, my my own glider I'm I'm actually owning a Discus B which I'm very happy with oh very nice yeah nice ship uh, it flies beautifully actually yes then uh, I did one uh, soaring competition but didn't have much time to do any more competition in the in the past I'd like to do some more in the, in the near future, for sure. How was that first competition you were in? Yeah, it is an experience. I, I have to be honest, I, I, I wasn't uh, well prepared for that. I, I mean, the, I did some cross-country flying at the time, but uh, I didn't have any, any sort of preparation for, for the competition. So I had to do everything on my own, try to figure out and, and basically imagine and study on the internet how, how, how competition would work. At the time, I was pretty good with the flying skills, but uh, my tactical and strategic knowledge in terms of, uh, of uh, competition was quite weak. So uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh, I managed to end up uh, fourth. I outlanded uh, on the last day. Uh, when I was actually second in rank uh, because I, I forgot uh, to, to fly uh, to the last waypoint of the last task. <laughs> uh, it uh. sounds a little bit stupid, uh, but uh, that the way it, it went because I forgot to, to load. Uh, I had limited experience on the, on the navigation system at the time, and I forgot to load the last, the last waypoint. And when I realized that all the other competitors were flying in the opposite direction of, of myself. I, I realized uh, I realized that the mistake. Where did you land out? I, I landed out in um, in a field, a pretty pretty good one. It was only ten kilometers away from the uh, gliding site, uh, with a very uh, nice and smooth uh, surface. Uh, it, it was he had a sort of a lake on one side. I managed to, to land a little bit uphill uh, the way I should have done. I was quite happy with the with the outlanding, to be honest. And the best was uh, obviously after when my crew came and we get the glider uh, derigged in, in a few minutes and we went off uh, for a nice cold beer together. That's the best part. 
Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'm sure a good experience for you because you got a chance to land out and see what it was like. Exactly, exactly. It stays in, in your memories. Yeah, exactly. You know, I would imagine that was one of your most memorable flights. But do you have another flight in mind I, that I do. really I sticks out? Have. Thanks for the questions. Yeah, I was. I took my license in 2011, uh, in the summer of 2011. And next year, in the summer 2012, I uh, had yeah, only a few hours, I would say 30 hours or so, on gliders when I flew the club uh, rented SK-21 in uh, a 200 uh, kilometers task. Uh, but the most um, interesting uh, part of it was that I didn't have a navigation computer, <laughs> not even a chart. So I only had a, a small logger, which I brought with me. The plan was to do much shorter flight, but weather conditions were so good that, uh, that I, I kept following the uh, cloud streets. And uh, I ended up overflying the highest uh, peaks in the area. I flew to uh, over the Grand Sasso. It's a tall mountain. It's 3,400 meters, uh, uh, some uh, uh, 35 kilometers uh, southeast of uh, the Eti, my gliding field. And then I went a little bit more to the south, another 50 kilometers, and, and back to the Eti, almost getting lost, to be honest. But it was, uh, was good fun. Oh wow! Yeah, what a surprise, right? It, it was. It was. Uh, it was a total uh, unex- unexpected gift. I, I, I enjoyed the lo- and and I, I I had done much better better flights and, and longer flights, but for some reason, maybe because I, I was totally free with not even a, a reference to a, a a gliding computer or or any other ref any other gliders or any other help from the ground. I was totally with my own and and getting lost in in the air. That, that that's basically it. It was good fun. You were taking advantage of the thermals that day, then. Exactly. I, I just let the thermals uh, lead my way, and uh, the soaring conditions were absolutely extraordinary. We do have cloud bases up to 400 meters in summer season which for this uh, latitude is is uh, is uh, quite a lot and i was taking the advantage of a very good day and to be honest with you my flying skills were good enough because i had some power flying hours under my belt so i was pretty confident with the flying skills the the soaring the pure soaring skills were just developing by the time. So as I said, I only had 20 to 30 hours on gliders. It was exciting. I, I would imagine. Yeah. Now, I know you being an airline pilot, I'm sure it is, is a little different flying gliders, but what do you enjoy most about soaring that maybe you don't get to experience in being an airline pilot? I, I really enjoy soaring because you have to really fight to stay airborne and to go places uh, your mind never comes to arrest you you still you have to keep uh, reasoning on what's gonna be your next move in while uh, flying with power once you're level off you basically just manage the flight and there's not uh, a lot of piloting 
associated uh, with the with the cruising flight and especially nowadays with fully automated cockpits there's no much room uh, for flight uh, interpretation manual flying and uh, and this on yeah nothing beats good old stick and runner flying absolutely yes yes and then even even little uh, powered aircraft uh, they might give you uh, some good skills, but nothing compared to gliders. Yeah, that's what I, I like the challenge of it, you know. Exactly. We, we can't push power. We can just put the nose down. <laughs> Very true. Now, recently you took a trip that I'm excited to hear about, and you went on a soaring adventure. Can you tell me where you went and and what you did there? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, so the opportunity uh, came sometime during the summer to take some leave uh, from work. Uh, so I applied for it and, and I got it. And that was the beginning uh, to plan my trip to Namibia with a good friend of mine, which is a member of the same uh, flying club. So we chartered uh, Ercosem from a very good uh, German uh, chartering company is called uh, DreamWings.eu. And uh, thanks to a friend of mine, which is a Maryland pilot in Qatar Airways, uh, we got big discounts on the tickets and uh, we decided to go down to Bitterbasse, which is uh, one of uh, the four main uh, glider ports in uh, South Namibia. Uh, together with uh, Victoria, Pokweni, and Kiripodi. Those are the four main airfields down there. They are in a um, distance of 50 uh, kilometers uh, from each other. And uh, so we went down to Bitterwasser in uh, November. And the plan was for my friend Pietro to close this 1,000 uh, kilometer flight and I was aiming uh, for the 750 kilometer flight. Uh, the weather conditions were um, absolutely uh, amazing, even though where they were uh, not the best for the season. So at the end, we managed to do several uh, 600 uh, kilometer flights. And one day we did uh, one uh, 850 case which was uh, quite uh, quite good. We were quite happy with And uh, considering it was uh, our first experience uh, down there, we were quite happy with that. Normally there you can find, that time of the year, you can find the best pilots uh, from around the world. It is um, mainly a German uh, colony. I mean, the uh, organizers and the owners um, are mainly Germans. Uh, but you can find you can uh, find pilots from other countries. We've managed to find uh, uh, other two uh, Italians, a few French, uh, two Spanish. It's very uh, interesting um, and stimulating um, uh, atmosphere. The the gliding conditions in Namibia are absolutely absolutely extraordinary. To say a normal day would start at um, nine o'clock. With a full uh, weather briefing you get from the chief flight instructor. And then based on that, uh, you would uh, plan for the day. When we were down there, we had to fly uh, initially uh, around 200, from 200 to 300 uh, kilometers uh, into the blue. Uh, but um, 
the, the interesting part is that, is, is that uh, you uh, really have uh, an excellent uh, soil. I mean, uh, the landscape is, is very flat and it looks uh, always the same. And uh, every 20 to 30 kilometers, you have uh, what they call a, a pan. is is a, a sort of a dry lake uh, with a um, very smooth surface uh, that seems to be uh, quite perfect for an hot landing. And basically, you, you will find those uh, 200 uh, kilometers into the blue from one pan to another uh, having uh, the motor, of course, is a must because uh, anytime you get into low, uh, you have to be able to start your engine, gain altitude, and go ahead or 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 go back to the uh, takeoff field. As I was saying, our best flight was in the region of uh, 850 kilometers. Uh, that uh, specific day, we flew uh, 300 k's into the blue. Then we managed to get a good. Uh, uh, alignment of clouds and the last 100 k's were again in the blue at the end of the day we realized we we had been airborne from uh, 11 30 in the morning to almost the sunset after seven in the evening uh, it was a fantastic and, and memorable uh, day of flying oh amazing that, yeah. that must have been yeah, what it an was. Experience. Yeah, and I mean the the, the place is, is magic. You have to you have to go there at least once in your aviation life and see with your eyes because because I cannot think anything. I cannot imagine imagine anything comparable to to that. Imagine flying over the desert with uh, very limited uh, vegetation under you. Uh, the, I think Namibia is uh, the third uh, less uh, populated country in the world. So no uh, signs of human life for hundreds of kilometers when, when you're flying past. Um, a few airports here and there, to be honest, uh, a little bit more than I would have expected. And then the, the the weather is so amazing. When when we initially came, uh, the the driver who took us from the airport to the to the flying lodge told us that he hadn't been uh, raining for one year. Uh, even though you you have very uh, nice clouds and sometimes local showers, yeah, the actual rain is quite quite rare. It's quite a rare event. What were you flying down there? Uh, we uh, rented a Arcsem, it's a Champiert uh, product. It was a brand new airframe. I, th- I think it had only a couple hundred hours on it, and it was basically in, in main conditions, nice instruments, only limited uh, experience on the type. Uh, so the first day we got uh, an introduction flight from one of the instructors, both of us, me and my flying partner. And but um, uh, from the second day, we I felt like uh, I was quite getting quite familiar with with the glider fairly quickly. It, it, it actually handles pretty like pretty like uh, pretty much like a single seater in the air. The tricky bit is uh, is coming with um, takeoffs and landings. Uh, the takeoff technique uh, is quite. Uh, unique you have to keep the uh, stick 
uh, all the way up to your belly uh, until you get airborne and then you release the stick, gain some speed again uh, and, and climb. It's a little bit um, um, unnatural. But if, if once in the air, it flies like a beauty. I mean, it's it's very forgiveful. The performance is is just unbelievable, and it's it's absolutely uh, the the glider I would go for if I had to buy a double seater. Basically, in Namibia, you would you would um, wake up quite early, eight o'clock, take the briefing at nine, and then immediately get your equipments uh, ready. Get the, the glider towed out, towed out. The airport itself is quite amazing. It's uh, it's a uh, five uh, square kilometer field. It's it's uh, again a dry lake which they make very very smooth. Every every night they go with a, with a sort of a bulldozer to flatten the surface, uh, which is obviously then becoming very, very smooth. You can actually land a 737 on it. And then based based on the wind, they would decide uh, in which direction they would take off. Basically, you can you can choose any direction for takeoff and landing. Of course, for ease nest of use, they would uh, identify eight main takeoff and landing direction. The operations are so easy, but be- because of the size of the field, you have to plan uh, for a 15 to 20 minutes uh, drive to get your glider line up for takeoff. So you take the glider for takeoff, we're talking uh, 11, 11, uh, 30 local time that would be average takeoff time. Then you uh, have uh, you you can land land until uh, half an hour, sorry, 15 minutes after sunset. They are able to line up uh, cars uh, with you know with the front uh, light lit up and let you land uh, coming in, in in night. But of of course that is not uh, advisable, and uh, you might incur in a in a penalty as well. Uh, so you have the full uh, flying day uh, available. I would say every day there might be somebody flying at least 1,000 kilometers. You, you, you can find uh, the best uh, pilots uh, there for sure. Uh, if I'm not wrong, uh, Kava, Sebastian Kava himself was there uh, last week, if he's not still there, in uh, Veronica. Then you land, you, you have half an hour to reset the glider, have it ready for the next day, and then uh, have a quick shower, uh, go for dinner, and again, (laughs) you go to bed, and the day after, uh, everything uh, starts all over again. Yeah, that's a full day of flying. It's a full day, full day, yes, it is, it really is. Another interesting side of the operations down there is the uh, possibility of outlanding. If you have to outland there, you have to bear in mind that it might take uh, two to three days to come and get you uh, because the because of the lack of roads and because they might need to take the trailer with them. And you can imagine flying the trailer in the sands is not that easy at all. And it, it had happened in the past that uh, some unlucky 
uh, people, they lend it out or add to bailouts as well. They were retrieved after three days. So you have to be ready for that. So you have to have uh, some um, emergency food, um, emergency water with you. Uh, it is mandatory to have personal uh, locator, transmitter or a spot so they can uh, know exactly where you are and uh, you have to be able to send to send them messages using the spot to get retrieved a sat phone is highly recommended as well so if you're out there and you land out and you're there for a couple of days are there are there anything to worry about as far as wildlife uh, i was told uh, not in namibia but uh, in some occasions we had the uh, opportunity to fly over the Botswana, which is uh, on on the border to the uh, to the east. I was told uh, at the initial briefing, if you guys land in Botswana, be aware there are uh, dangerous a- a- uh, animals out there, and there's no search and rescue. So my recommendation is uh, not to leave the glider because it's dangerous outside. But nobody's going to come and search you, which sounds oh, a little no. bit weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Namibia itself is absolutely safe. Uh, when we drove in uh, on the first day, we, uh, we saw a few giraffes and monkeys and other wild uh, species. But um, I've, he- I've heard, I was told, there's, there's no uh, dangerous wildlife uh, at all. Uh, well, that's a sure. Yeah. Talking about uh, where to fly, we were south of the the capital city, which is Wind Winduk. We were some 200 kilometers to the south, and the basically you go you can fly gliders all over Namibia until uh, flight level 145. That's 14,400 feet, uh, 4,400 meters. Uh, that's all Class G airspace. So you are free to fly wherever you like. You just need to be careful and avoid the terminal areas of the main two airports, uh, Wind Duke and Wellness Bay. Uh, other than that, you can fly everywhere. And during the summer season, uh, from 1st of November to 31st of January, uh, there is a, a dedicated gliding area, which is basically all the south region of Namibia, uh, where you can go all the way up to flight level 195, that's uh, 5,900 meters. So uh, you just have to have uh, your transponder on, but you're free to fly around, uh, which makes uh, south Namibia basically a gliding amusement park it's 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 a really amazing yeah you have a lot of room to move yes what advice would you give someone who wants to be not only a safer pilot but also a better pilot what i can say from my experience what paid off for me is uh taking the time uh when you're not flying to go back to the books uh when you're not flying uh, try to read at least one book every month, I would say. Flying book, of course. And there are, we, there are very good titles out there. Go on the internet, get documented. If you don't know stuff, be curious. Go, uh, go out there, ask questions to more experienced pilots. 
and try to understand how, how things are working generally. You you get a new flight instrument, uh, try to understand to understand all the ins and outs of the instruments. Be uh, curious, keep studying. That's the, the main advice. It, it, it will always pay off. Absolutely, great advice. We always, as pilots, should be continually learning. Yes, very true. Thank you so much for joining us today. I greatly appreciate it. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Chuck. It was a great pleasure for me. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. And we'll keep in touch and find out what you're doing there in your area and how the soaring is going. Yeah, please. I would like to invite you to join us in Riedi again. Any other uh, glider pilot from the community, feel free to keep in touch uh, with with uh, uh, myself. I can uh, add my email address in the show notes uh, if uh, Chuck allows me. And I'll be glad to invite you all in Riedi sometime. Sure, absolutely. That would be great. And I know a lot of people will take advantage of that. It's always nice to fly in different parts of the world. I have quite a few places I want to fly, and I'd love to come out there and fly with you all. Fantastic. Thank you, Gaetano. Great to have you on the show, and an open invitation for you if you were thinking about flying somewhere else. He's invited us to fly in Italy. What a cool experience to fly in different parts of the world. And if you want to stay a little more local, and maybe you haven't taken your first glider flight yet, if you jump online, ssa.org, you can find your local club. Of course, there are some commercial clubs as well. ssa.org gives you all that information. If you want to get a hold of us, Michelle has all that information for you right now. So until next time, have a great week. Get some flying in if you can. Happy soaring. You can find us on social media. On Facebook, it's Soaring the Sky Podcast. On Instagram, it's the same, Soaring the Sky Podcast. If you would like to say hi, just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Or you can send us a note on the website, soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky.